Well, as you can tell today, I'm not in my usual spot. Uh, come up here on top of uh, the mountaintop here above the city of Glendora. Felt led to share today's message from a different perspective. We started last week's message talking about uh, the fact that God is in his temple. We started a conversation in the midst of our God is series this year about what is the church? Asking that question, what is the church? In light of who God is, what is the church? Who are we called to be as his people? In talking about God being in his temple, we looked at the, temp- the tabernacle and, and the temple in, in the Old Testament, which were a physical representation of the presence of God in the world. And we talked about how Jesus had come and, and that he had become the new temple, the new representation, the new physical representation of the presence of God to the world. Uh, but it didn't stop there. It then tells us in the Bible that we are his temple as the church. We are his temple. Paul recollects us in in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst? That we as the church are the physical representation of the presence of God. But then he goes on to say this, that you and I are the, 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 the temple of God, that we are the physical representation of the presence of God. Again, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us living in 2020? About to be June, tomorrow is June 1st. What does that mean for us living in 2020? Well, I want to walk us through today uh, some of the moments in the life of Jesus before Pentecost Sunday, the moments leading up to that Sunday when his spirit was poured out on the disciples in the upper room. And that moment where theologians believe and agree that it was the beginning of the church. It was the start of the church when his spirit, when God's spirit was poured out. What does that mean for us today? And we're going to look at a couple of the events following that moment in time. And so my first point today, I have four points I want to make. The first is this. It's the mission, the mission of the church. Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't meet up with them back at the temple. He doesn't go back to Jerusalem with them and gather them in that spot. And he had some other encounters with the disciples along the way. But when it comes to this critical moment, when Jesus gives the commission, when he tells the disciples what they are called to do, he takes them to this mountaintop in Galilee. Part of the reason I'm standing here today. It was, it's a mountaintop that was probably similar to this. It's mountaintops are great. You can get up on top of a mountain, get great perspective. You can see, uh, of course, over here on my right is the city of Glendora and, and Covina and St. Demas and Laverne. And off to my left to the west would be the city of Los Angeles. Jesus takes them up on top of this mountaintop. We don't know exactly which mountain it was. We can venture a guess. In fact, there's a mountain right above the Sea of Galilee called Mount Arbel, which is believed where Jesus would go uh, to be alone and pray and be with his father. Uh, 
And, and many scholars believe that this is the mountain referenced in Matthew 28. And, and it really makes sense because from this vantage point, Jesus would have been able to point out all of the places around the Sea of Galilee where he did the bulk of his ministry. The, the, the miracles that he performed, the feeding of the 5,000, walking out on the lake, speaking to the storm would have happened in this region where he cast the, 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 the demons out of the man that then went into the pigs that ran into the, the, into the Sea of Galilee and drowned. This all happened in this vicinity. And from this vantage point, Jesus would have been able to point out, I believe he would have done something like this and, and pointed out and said, this is what I'm calling you to. This is what I'm commissioning you to. I'm calling you to go and to reach the people who don't know me, to reach the lost, to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them everything that I have taught you to follow me. He sends them. It's called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission doesn't happen inside of a building. Now, church buildings are important. Hear my heart in this. They're an important part of our worship and, and, and we are able to come together and praise the Lord and, and be built up as the church. But the mission of God happens in the world. It happens when we leave the church and when we leave the building, when we leave the, the edifice and we go into the community. That's what God has called us to. Jesus commissioned the disciples and he's commissioning us as his church. He's given us a mission to go to the world. And then he says, oh, and I'm not going to leave you. I'm with you. Now, of course, Jesus ascends to heaven just shortly after this. So how is it that he doesn't leave them and leave us? Well, there's a promise that he gives and it's found in Acts 1, 4 through 5. It says this on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jumping down to verse 8, he says, you will re but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, they're back in Jerusalem now and, and Jesus has told them, you have to wait. I have a gift for you. I have a promise for you that you will receive power. You will receive power that I'm not calling you to do this in your own strength. I'm calling you to do this in my strength and my spirit will come and inhabit the temple of your lives that he will come and fill your lives. And in the same way that the spirit of God came down on the tabernacle and the temple and rested in those places that his spirit would now come and rest on our lives and fill our lives for the mission that he had called us to. And then he says, you will receive powers and then you will be my witnesses to the whole world, starting here in Jerusalem and going to the ends of the earth, which is why we are even able to gather as we do today. See, there is no witness apart from the power of God. It is in the power of God that we now move to go to the world, to share his love. And so... The presence and power would be my next point. The presence and the power that would fall in Acts 2, 1 through 4. It says this, when the day of Pentecost.
Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What an amazing picture. This room in Jerusalem, they had been waiting in this room because Jesus told them, wait. He had now ascended to heaven 50 days after the Passover, which is about 50 days after Jesus had given his life on the cross. The, 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 the feast of Pentecost, this moment in time is when the Jews would be celebrating the feast of uh, the harvest, the, the first fruits. In fact, Paul talks about the church being the first fruit, that we are this, this, this offering to the Lord, this first fruit offering to the Lord that has been reclaimed. And it's on this day that the power of God invades this room and they are filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That there's this mighty rushing wind that comes in, that there are tongues of fire that come to rest upon each of their heads and they begin to speak in other languages. It's in this moment that the church becomes the church, not in their own strength, but in the strength and in the power with the presence of God. They're enabled to go and do the things that God has called them to do. One of the things that's so significant about this passage is it says that they were together. One of the, the first marks of the church was that they were united, that they were together that they were, their hearts were knit together. And we'll talk about that more here in just a second. I love the parallels here between what happened with the tabernacle and the temple where the power of God came and rested. In fact, in, in, in the Bible, we talk about the Shekinah glory. It's this visible glory, the visible presence of God as it is displayed and, and, And it happened in the tabernacle when God's presence came and rested there. It happened in the temple when when Solomon dedicated the temple that God's glory and his presence came and rested. And here we see as God commissions the new temple, his church and his people, that his presence now comes and inhabits and fills them and he fills us. And so we have the mission, we have the promise, we have the presence and the power, and then finally we have the outcome or the result acts 2 42 through 47 same chapter just now at the end of this chapter after peter has gotten up and preached they've been accused of being drunk uh there there's all of these people that have gathered in the city of jerusalem and peter gets up and preaches a sermon that leads to thousands giving their lives to the lord and we see the start of the church it says this in acts 2 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and had everything in common. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone as who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
we see here the church now living out the mission that God had called them to, that they were teaching just as Jesus had told them that you are supposed to teach them everything I have told you after having preached and after having presented the gospel and people now coming to Jesus by the thousands. So just so mind blowing that in, in this time, in the season without social media and technology, that the spirit of God moved in such a way that thousands of people from all backgrounds, from all walks of life, from all races and ethnicities and nationalities were coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And it says that they gathered together in each other's homes for fellowship and for teaching and for breaking of bread and for prayer. I'm sure they worshiped and sang songs and, and there was this unity. Again, I want to bring this up. There was a unity that came together in the body of Christ. It says that all the believers, all the believers were together and had everything in common. See church, this is what God's called us to be. This is what the physical representation of the presence of God looks like. It means that we are together that all of the divisions and all of the walls and all of the things that separate are torn down and we become one, that we are one body. We are one in him, that we would have everything together and everything in common, that we would be one. This is what the church is called to look like. This is the mission that we have been given a church that is generous, a church that is committed to community, a church that continues to worship, a church that is spirit-filled and spirit-empowered, that we would be one. My heart has been breaking this week as we've seen our nation grieving the loss, the life taken from George, George Floyd. I've struggled to even find words and I've wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with this. And in the midst of everything that's going on, looking at the world around us going, Lord, how do we respond? And I believe that one of the things that is missing for us as the church is that we have failed to live spirit empowered lives that draws us together that removes the separations, removes the delineations, the, the differences that so often in the church, the church and, and the gospel, the Bible itself has been used to create division, not tear it down. But we see here at Pentecost that the very, the very initial outset of the church was that the dividing lines were erased and that people sat down together. Church, I want to challenge you. God is calling us to the mission that he, he called the disciples to, to go to our community to go to our world, even as I speak this message tonight, that, that just west of here in Los Angeles, there are riots and demonstrations and protests and around our nation, that there are those who are crying out because there is injustice. And we as the church are called to rise up, not just with our words, but with our deeds to, to express the love of Jesus Christ, that there are people who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And as we navigate the next steps of the church, what does it look like to reopen? What does it look like to come back together? That I would challenge you to say, are you responding to the mission and the commission of Jesus Christ? Are you looking at your community? Are you looking at the people that live on your street in your neighborhood? 
Are you, are you responding to God's call to reach them, to be Jesus to them, to tear down the barriers, to tear down the walls, to fight for justice, to speak life, to see God's presence manifest in the world around us. This is who we are. This is what we're called to. This is our mission. This is the thing that God has placed in every one of us. And it's, it's now. Now is the time for us to rise up and say, we will be the church. That we will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That we will receive the power of God as the temple of God to be the physical representation. And you might be thinking, well, I'm just one person. I'm nobody. But God is really good at using people who think that they're nobodies. He is really good. See, all he's looking for is that empty vessel, that, that willing vessel, that vessel that would say, God, fill me with your power. The 11 that were filled, the disciples that were filled and the others in that upper room, they were not the smartest, brightest, most educated, most influential, wealthiest people. They were run-of-the-mill, average, normal folks. To change the world. God's call for his church hasn't changed. It's time for us to reclaim our heritage. To say, Lord, would you fill us? Would you fill us with your power so we can be the church that you've called us to be? I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I'm going to pray over our city and I'm going to ask you wherever you're watching from right now, would you stand with me and would you extend your hands to your community, to your city, to your neighbors and let's pray a prayer over our cities that we would see God's name lifted up in our lives and that people would come to know him, that the same power that drew people and added to their numbers daily in Jerusalem 2000 years ago would be poured out on us once again. So let's pray together. Father God, we pray over our communities. We pray over our city, over our county, our nation, Lord God. And we ask that your spirit would pour, be poured out on your church and that we would be the church, that we would reach those who need to hear, to hear the gospel, to know those who need to know you, that we would go and respond to your commission to make disciples and to teach, and to baptize. God, we pray that as you empower us, Lord, that we would be able to reach the ends of the earth. Heal our land, Lord. Heal our nation. God, I pray that you would bring restoration and renewal to our land. In Jesus' name, amen.